Luke chapter 10. Um, a couple of years ago, um, my wife has three younger sisters and um, one of the... Um, one of her sister's kids, our nephew, that's what that is. Um, he came to, to visit my in-laws. They live in Lebanon. And so um, he, I don't remember how old, how old was Coleman when this, you don't even know what story I'm about to tell. So you can pitch in and help me with the details. He was three. Okay. She does know. That's marriage. That's what 12 years does, right? You just know each other's thoughts. And so um, he comes to visit with my in-laws. And so they, they live on this, this farm out in Lebanon, kind of out in the country. And, and so they get out of the car and my nephew Coleman just takes off. And, and, you know, she's not thinking about it. She thinks, oh, he's going to go in the garage. He's going to go in the house. Well, a few minutes later passes and she starts to call his name and she can't find him anywhere, right? And you ever have one of those moments where like panic just sits in and, and she starts, because she's human, she thinks about all the worst possibilities. She's like, he's drowned in the lake. He got eaten by a cow. Like, you know, all these, like, these things that we do, like all the possibilities of what could happen. And so, you know, they call the police, they're calling their friends, they're calling parents. It's just like complete panic has set in at their house as they're searching for him and looking for him. And, and you know, that, that Courtney's mother-in-law is like, they're never gonna trust me again. Like, they're never gonna be able to come stay. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of true, right? There, that's... And, and so they, they, this, this goes on for a while, a while and, and one of Courtney's mom's good friends comes over and, and she, she finds Coleman and he's just hiding. He's like hiding in the, was in the, the police officer found him. Where was he hiding? In the greenhouse. She was four. Yeah. Under a bucket. Yeah. And so he, he comes out and, and it's like one of these moments where he was not leaving until someone found him. Right? You ever been there where it's like you played hide and seek and you know all those kids that like they'll hide for a minute or two and then like, hi, I'm here. And it's like, you don't get hide and seek at all. You're terrible at this game. But then there are kids like Coleman who go hiding and they're not leaving until they're found. And I was thinking about Luke chapter 10, you know, the story that we're gonna be in this morning for a few minutes. And kind of up until this point in Jesus' ministry, his, his ministry could be kind of marked by this idea of come and see. Right, and so everywhere Jesus went, crowds were flocking to him. You just read the first, you know, 10 chapters of Luke. It's like everywhere Jesus would go, crowds would come. He'd be in a house, crowds would be there. He'd be on a mountainside, crowds were there. He'd be at, at, a, at a lake speaking, crowds would be there. And it was this phenom, this, this phenom, this, this man who was healing the sick, raising the dead, driving out all kinds of darkness and, and, and demonic activity in people's lives. And it was all of this, this come and see. And what I love about Luke chapter 10 is that we understand that our God is not just a God about come and see. He's a go and find. That there's this moment that, that starts to shift in, in the ministry of Jesus where um, he realizes that, that everyone in all these villages and towns, they hadn't had the opportunity to hear about him, Right? And so what you see is the heart of God for humankind, that God would go, I don't just want the people who are coming to me. We got to go and find them all. This is the very nature of Jesus, that, that he didn't expect us to, to just find our way to him. That God didn't just look at Heather and be like, Heather, just figure it out, get it all together. Like we couldn't do that. No, he comes in the form of a man, fully God. And he shows us what God is like. You wanna know what God is like? Look at the life of Jesus. Study the scriptures. You wanna know how God feels about any situation? Look at the life of Jesus. That is how God feels. It's not this mystery. Look at Jesus' life. He is God in the flesh. And I love this because God doesn't just expect us to come to him, that the ministry of Jesus, the incarnation, was God coming to man to find man because he knows that so many of us are like little kids hiding under buckets and we're scared and we'll never come to God unless he comes to us. And that's the God that we serve. 
a God who says, it's not just for those who come and seek, it's for, it's for, for the people who are not willing to come and seek that we're gonna go and find. This is what he did with, with Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They were in the middle of their fishing business. And he walks up to them, says, come follow me. They didn't come to him, he came to them. This was Matthew, a tax collector, a man that was, was hated, that was distanced from all people, that no one liked being around Matthew. And Jesus looks at him and says, you, come and follow me. Jesus was a man that went and found those who were hiding. And Luke chapter 10 is not just about a God. He's not just showing us his heart. He's showing us the purpose for which he made us. The reality is that in a good gave him hide and seek, when the, the people are found, what do they do? Do you guys not know? You ever heard of hide and seek? It's this game you play where one person is counts and they cover their eyes and everyone else goes and hides. And then you go find someone and the person that is found and then they become a finder. They join the pursuit and I go, this is a story of God for, for the people of God that when God finds us, we don't just stand in the light and go, God, I'm so grateful that you found me. No, we go, man, God, we know what it was like to be in darkness. We know what it was like to, to not have you, to not know that, that you're on the other end of our prayers. We, we remember what it was like to be, to be living in guilt and shame and you found us, God. When we were hiding, we were far from you, found us, God. And the whole point of Luke chapter 10 is God showing us his heart and God inviting us into the purpose for which we were made. And so I love this. He begins, he says, the Lord appointed 72 others, Luke chapter 10, verse one. He sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place he was about to go. And he told them this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. Harvest is this idea that the crops were ready. And I grew up on a farm, small town, Kentucky. We knew when harvest season was. It was a season that you made your money. That all this work and all this labor, that, that the corn was ready to be picked, that it was ready to be brought in. And Jesus looks at us with spiritual lenses and he says, the harvest is plentiful. And the harvest is still plentiful in Nashville. I go, do you believe that? Do you have eyes to see that? And then Jesus says this thing that we don't really like, but the workers are few. And I go, man, we have to do the business of, of really asking, hey, are we one of the workers? Are we one of the few? It's easy to read passages like this and to be like, oh, I'm definitely one of the few. But I go, man, dude, like, is it my life's desire to bring in the harvest? Like in harvest in this term, it's like what Jesus is saying is that there are so many people around us in our families and our neighborhoods and our jobs that are waiting for, to be found. They're ready. They're, they're ready to be brought in. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And so I love what Jesus says. He says, so ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the field. And I was struck by this because I don't think I've ever prayed that prayer in my life. You ever prayed that prayer? I hope you have. I hope you're better than me in that. He says, ask the Lord of that What he's saying is that, Deb, it's like your prayer is God. Hey, would you send more people to join this game of hide and seek? God, would you, would you send people to, to go and find those who, who don't know you? Like, this is supposed to be part of our prayer life. And I go, man, I've neglected this. Let's not neglect this anymore. Jesus, it's important that we pray this. God, would you send more people into Nashville? Would you, would you send more people to the United States? Would you send people all over the world to bring in the things that you're doing? Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his field. Verse three, 
So go. It's not just pray, it's go. Right, and so often we can get in this place where it's like, man, my job is to be the intercessor. (laughs) I'll stand back and pray. No, you pray and you go. You pray and you go. You know, I I was talking to to Dolly. If you guys don't know Ty and Dolly, um, you guys got to know them, they're amazing. Dolly's mom and stepdad were here right before Christmas, the the last Sunday that we were here before Christmas. And um, they they came up to me and they said, hey, we're about to go to India for, for three weeks. And I'm like calculating. I'm like, wait, you're going to be there during Christmas. And she's like, yeah, we go, you know, three weeks every year to India. We go to all these remote villages. And, and we just, we look for anyone who wants to hear about Jesus. And I'm going, you have a brand new grandson. And, and you go and spend three weeks because you know there are people in this world that don't know your son Jesus? Go. I'm sending you like lambs among wolves. That's not encouraging Jesus. I wish you would say like, I'm sending you out like lions among wolves. Wolves are kind of bad, but we still kind of have the upper hand. No, lambs. It's terrifying, but it's true. A couple things here. Um, I want us to think about the way that we think about go. We tend to think about go, and, and maybe this is not true, so I shouldn't say we. I think about go, and, and sometimes I'm, I'm tempted to think about where, and so, right, that, that we hear this, and instantly, because you're filled with the Spirit and you want to obey, you want to bring in the harvest, you're like, well, where am I supposed to go? And our anxiety starts to increase, and we go, man, where am I supposed to, to go? And, and sometimes the reality is that God will call us to go somewhere specifically. Chris and Allison, part of our church family, left. They, they moved to, to England to, to be missionaries for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. I go, sometimes Sometimes God will put it on your heart. I'm not going to put that past God. I, I'm, I'm convinced that God will call us in different seasons to go. But I was thinking about, man, I, I think that as followers of Jesus, he's wanting us to understand that, that this is what we always are, that it's not necessarily about a destination. It's about who we are, that we are a sent people. That we're sent at work. And we're sent at home. We're we're sent when we go on a run and we're sent when we're at the library. We're sent when we're studying and we're sent when we're at the movies. It's it's who we are. We are a sent people. That when Jesus says go, sometimes he's talking about specific places, but sometimes he's just wanting us to to understand who we are. That everywhere we go, we're, we're to be sent. Second thing I want us to think about is that not everyone is going to love when you embrace this idea. Right, and so sometimes we think about this and it's like, oh man, when, when I just really get serious about embracing my sentness, then it's just gonna be like, you know, everyone coming to the Lord. Listen to some passages that Jesus says. Matthew 10, verse 22. You will be hated by everyone because of me. Thank you, Jesus. John 16, verse two. The time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. Wait, what did you say? Matthew 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. And I go, we have to get past this fear of rejection because Jesus did. 
Like all-knowing God, he knew that when coming into this earth, that there were gonna be people who just looked at God and said, I don't want anything to do with you, right? This is what you see in the Pharisees, teachers of the law. This is what you see in some of your family and your friends. If Jesus was, if his barometer was like, hey, if I face rejections and I'm not coming, then he never would have come. And so many of us were going, man, unless I have a 100% success rate, I will never go because we're so feel, um, scared of failure and rejection. You're gonna be hated because of me. So rejoice, because that's the way they treated the prophets. I was convicted, I was reading this over Christmas break, these words of Jesus from Matthew chapter five, and I'm going, I don't know if I've ever had someone that hated me because of Jesus. (laughs) Or that was falsely saying things about me because of Jesus. He was convicting me. So, we're sent people. Not everyone's going to love this. What do we say? Right? What, what do you say when you go? Like you, you have that answer? You have that figured out? So that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 26, he says, when the spirit comes, he will testify about me. And you also must testify. Testifying is simply sharing what you're seeing, hearing, experiencing. It's what you just did. You stood up and testified. This is what God's doing in my life. And I was encouraged by David. David, I wish you would have stood up and shared because David's living this out. He sent me a text this week. You know, David works in construction. And David could also take me. So if I say this and I shouldn't say it, you just come hit me in the face and I'll stop. But, but David works with a guy and his wife is dying of cancer. And so his, he and his coworkers, man, they're, they're, they're sad. And, and, and some of them are really angry. And so they set aside some time last week, two hours to, to talk about this and process this. And all these, these guys are sitting around the table and, and they're sharing. And, and David gets this opportunity to say, this is not what God desired. And one of the things that we know about Jesus is that he weeps and he mourns alongside of us when we're hurting. And David says, I'm finding comfort in the, in the Beatitudes right now. And David has this opportunity in his workplace to, to testify to what God is doing in real time as, as David's processing this, as he's walking with Jesus. And so it's not always look, walking up to someone, hey, Justin, do you believe in Jesus? No, okay, sorry, he, he's real. It's, it's these moments of, of God opening up doors we get to share what God is doing in our lives, where we're sharing how, how he's changing us and shaping us. So here's my encouragement to us. Write this down if you're taking notes. I don't say that very often, but I think it's important. Don't evaluate your worth based upon your effectiveness. Don't evaluate your worth based upon your effectiveness. Fix your eyes on being faithful. Don't evaluate your worth based upon your effectiveness. Fix your eyes on being faithful. So rarely do we get to like share the good news with someone and then like walk with them and watch them come to know Jesus and then watch them mature, right? Like it's, it's a process. 
right? So often we get to just play a small part. And even if, if you share what God's doing in your life and your coworkers just could care less or they make fun of you, God is going to use that. I love that verse one, Jesus says, he sent them to every place that he was about to go. You being faithful to step in those opportunities, David, maybe no one came to know the Lord right there, but Jesus is coming behind you. And when we take those moments to, to share Jesus and to testify, you know, my head always goes low, especially, you know, I've been walking with this guy who's, who's Muslim. He doesn't believe in Jesus. He believes that Jesus is a prophet, not the prophet. He believes that he was from God, but he's not, he's not is God. And, and so I've been walking with this guy. I've been so frustrated because he hasn't come to know Jesus yet. And my job is to testify. The Spirit's job is to open the heart. And King Jesus, Brother Jesus, Lord Jesus is coming behind us. Every time you share, you don't have to worry. He's coming behind you. Don't evaluate your worth based upon your effectiveness. Fix your eyes on, faith, on being faithful. And the second is this, it is slow. It's slow, so be steadfast. God is always working. Do you believe that? Never stop working. This morning I had to come into the office to get ready. Prayer room is going on. Get up there at 5.30 a.m. And I've, I'm met by one of my sister, my older sisters. And, and it's amazing because we've been walking her court and I've been walking with her for a while. And, and she's really let us in on her life. The first part of her life was all about rebellion, just running from God, just making a mess of her marriage and her kid, just a mess of life. And then Jesus found her. And the rest of her life has been about serving the king. Every time I talk to her at prayer gathering, every time we're hanging out, whether she's praying diligently for her kids. Kids have run from God, walked away from God. And this morning I walked in and she says, Brandon, two of my kids are back. And, and she said, God is faithful. And so my encouragement to us is, hey, as we're praying for these, these names, you haven't seen fruit yet? Hey, it's not like God's going, hey, you've got eight more days and then all prayer channels are lost, right? Go, man, sometimes God is looking for people who are willing to be in it for the long haul. To pray for those people in your lives who don't know Jesus and to trust that our Father in heaven is listening. So don't grow weary. And don't be discouraged if you don't see fruit. You never stop working. Don't stop praying, don't stop believing. Our God is in heaven. He loves us very much. Here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to close your eyes. And I'm just going to ask God just one question. It's just this prayer. And I want you just to pay attention. This is a question I'm going to ask God. God, is there anything standing in my way from being a worker in your harvest? Maybe it's fear, maybe it's fear of failure, maybe it's you've just become distracted, maybe you're just being disobedient, maybe you need to be found. I don't know what it is. I invite you to close your eyes. I'm gonna pray, and I want you just to listen. God, we come to you as your children, that we know that we only got in to your family because of Jesus, paid the price for us, died our death, paid for our sins, 
blood was shed. He sheds, shares his inheritance. We know that we are only yours because of our Jesus. Not our good works. It's not um, that we fast. It's not that we pray. It's not that we're even trying to, to raise kids that love you. It's only because of Jesus. That your mercy was so rich and so real that you left heaven for us, Jesus. Thank you for paying for my sin. I was a rebellious sinner, a son that, that, that left the palace, thought he knew what he wanted, and you came and found me, God. God, I'm asking that you would send laborers into the harvest from this church. God, that you would give us such a, a desire to, to go, to understand our sentness. And that we wouldn't be afraid of, of stepping on toes or even being offensive, that we'd be more afraid of not standing with you. Being ashamed of you, Jesus, I pray that we would love people and honor people, but I pray that we would, we would, we would share you with people. And forgive us, because we haven't. I haven't. And God, I'm asking right now that there are some, some mountains in front of us that need to be moved. And I'm asking right now, God, would, would you just show us if there's anything standing in our way from being a worker in your harvest? And so we give you space. We're going to sit in silence. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak right now. Father, there's no one like you. No one has done for us what you have. Sent your son for us. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve him. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve spiritual gifts. We don't deserve anything. It's all because of your mercy. Because of your love for us. Because we really are your kids and you spoil your kids. You love us. You provide for us. You fight for us. We thank you. We honor you. We praise this. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.